Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. God is not just there to punish you because He's just some angry force in the sky that just wants to pound you because you're having a good time. No, he, he's, he's doing it to instruct you because he knows those things are empty. And we put faith and we put trust and hope in those empty things so much so that we forget him. And he's like, why would you do that? He's not even jealous. I mean, he is jealous, but not in the way that we think of jealousy. He's jealous because he's the creator. He knows how he's created you. And he wants to give you the very best. It's sort of like putting a filet mignon in front of you and then giving you gravy train. Choose which one you're going to have. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob completes chapter 32 of the book of Deuteronomy. God continues to express his anger to the children of Israel for their wicked ways and tells them of his ongoing chastening to teach them his will for their lives. God loves them and picked them as his people and will not forsake them ever. The same holds true for us today. As believers in Jesus Christ, we belong to him because of his sacrifice. The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 8, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let's join Pastor Rob for today's message. We know that ultimately Babylon did, but I think it even goes beyond this too, you know, even to the Gentiles, you know, um, Paul, in his uh, letter to the Romans, he says, but I, but I say, have they, speaking of Israel and the Jews, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the earth. But I say, did Israel not know? First, Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. Here Paul is quoting from this very passage that we're looking at tonight. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long I've stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. So certainly he's speaking to the Gentiles and certainly to the Gentile nations that would ultimately come against them in judgment. I would encourage you to look at also Romans chapter 11 tonight. Look at verses 11 through 24. It just kind of uh, even further cements this idea in. But let's go on to verse 22. He says, For a fire, a fire is kindled in my anger and shall burn to the lowest hell. It shall consume the earth with her increase and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. I will heap disasters on them. I will spend my arrows on them. Boy, you think of the the chastising of the Lord. And the, the chastisement of the Lord is always with the intent of bringing you around to teach you something. God is not just there to punish you because he's just some angry force in the sky that just wants to pound you because you're having a good time. 
No, he, he's, he's doing it to instruct you because he knows those things are empty. And we put faith and we put trust and hope in those empty things so much so that we forget him. And he's like, why would you do that? He's not even jealous. I mean, he is jealous, but not in the way that we think of jealousy. He's jealous because he's the creator. He knows how he's created you. And he wants to give you the very best. It's sort of like putting a filet mignon in front of you and then giving you gravy train. Choose which one you're going to have. I'll take the filet mignon. Two, please. Medium well. But people settle for the gravy train that you open up in the Elpo, that you open up in the can, and you take it, and you go, and you put it on your dog's plate, and it's still in the same form that in the can, and your dog doesn't care. And people are like that. They'll go to that, but God wants to give them something good. So he's like, why would you go to a broken cistern that's not going to satisfy you? I'm the only one that can satisfy you ultimately. You don't know that yet. I know that. I'm trying to teach you. I'm trying to show you, he's saying. He said, the sword, I'm sorry, they shall be wasted with hunger, devoured by pestilence and bitter destruction. I will also send against them the teeth of beasts with the poison of serpents of the dust. The sword shall destroy outside. There shall be terror within for the young man and virgin, the nursing child with the man of gray hairs. I would have said, I will dash them in pieces, and I will make the memory of them to cease from among men. Had I not feared the wrath of the enemy, lest their adversaries should should misunderstand, lest they should say, our hand is high, and it is not the Lord who has done all this. So, you know, God does this, you know, and he makes sure that everybody knows why it's happening, because of his people are being rebellious. It's not because the enemy is any great thing. For they are a nation void of counsel. There's no reason for this. They've had much great counsel. For they are a nation void of counsel, nor is there any understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. That they would consider their latter end. See, that's a problem with um, people who are short-sighted in the Lord. We, we, all we see is what's in front of us. And, and, you know, there's a point when we're no longer babies anymore. Many of us have, have known the Lord for a long time. And are you still being food, spoon-fed by things that you listen to on the radio? And you're using that as your main insor, in, intake of your, your diet. Those things are all good, but folks, we've got to let the Spirit of God teach us. Always listen to those things. Always be reading, but don't let that be the thing. Let the main thing be when you are alone with your Creator, Jesus Christ, and you're alone with Him. Let Him feed you, and then use all those other things as a supplement to add to the table. How could one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight unless their rock had sold them and the Lord had surrendered them? And the idea here is the enemies are going to cause them, one of, them, one of the enemy is going to cause a thousand to run and two of the enemy are going to put ten thousand of Israelites to flight. That's the idea. Why? Because the rock had sold them and the Lord had surrendered them. Notice the discrepancy. Israel should be the few chasing many instead of the other way around. There are many verses concerning this. I'm just going to give them to you. In Leviticus chapter 26, verses 1 through 8, I would encourage you to read those because it really brings this idea of home, what we just read there. Leviticus chapter 26, verses 1 through 8. Let me read one to you in, in um, one passage in Deuteronomy 28, verse 7. It says, The Lord will cause your enemies. He's speaking to Israel. God is talking about the blessings 
and the cursings. But now he's going to say, The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you with one, one way, and flee before you seven ways. And Joshua, in his farewell address, before he would, his life would end, at the very end of Joshua, he said this, For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations, but as for you, no one has been able to stand against you to this day. One man of you shall stand, well, shall chase a thousand, for the Lord your God is he who fights for you as he promised you. So, and here when we look at this verse here in this song, he's saying, but it's going to be the other way around at times. When you're obedient, everyone's going to flee from you, but when you're disobedient, one of them is going to chase 10,000 of you away. And so God is saying, telling them in advance these things. Verse 31, for their rock is not like our rock. Notice the capitalization. Circle those two words because one's lowercase, one is uppercase. For their rock are, are idols, their demons, is not like our rock who is Jesus. And even our enemies themselves being judges. For their vine is of the vine of Sodom and of the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of gall. Their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the poison of serpents and the cruel venom of cobras. Is, not, is this not laid up in store with me and sealed up among my treasures? Vengeance is mine and recompense. Their foot shall slip in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things to come hasten upon them. Sounds like Psalm 2 to me. The kings of the earth are going to set themselves against the Lord and against his anointed, and the Lord's going to laugh from heaven. He's going to laugh from heaven. He's going to have them in derision because he knows their day is coming. He knows their day is coming. Verse 36, for the Lord will judge. An idea of here is vindicate. For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. And when he sees that their power is gone and there is no one remaining, bond or free, he will say, where are their gods? The rock in which they sought refuge who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offering. Let them rise up and help you and be your refuge. Now see that I, even I, am he, and there is no God besides me. I love that. God is one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, he is one. He says, I kill and I will make alive, and I wound and I heal, nor is there any who can deliver from my hand. There's no empty boast here. God is speaking because he is the creator. He is the savior. I love what it says in Daniel. Daniel said this. He answered, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. God says, I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Nor is there any who can deliver out of my hand. The Lord, he is judge. He puts down one and he exalts another. In Ecclesiastes, Solomon wrote, he said, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die and a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. 
And he goes on and on. But God has his way. He kills and he makes alive. And isn't it a mystery, life and death? It's funny how, it's not funny at all. It's actually pretty startling how someone who's been with you in a family can, can be with you and you're thinking to yourself, wow, they got so many years ahead of them and I'm probably going to pass before they do. And then the very next day, that life that you said that about is taken. And we wonder, why is this? We don't understand. And therein lies the deep things of God, the secret things that are hidden with him that we hurt about, that we don't understand. Verse 40, he says, For I raise my hand to heaven, and I say, As I live forever, if I wet my glittering sword and my hand takes hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to my enemies and repay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood, and my sword shall devour flesh. With the blood of the slain and the captives, from the heads of the leaders of the enemy, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and render vengeance to his adversaries. He will provide atonement for his land and his people. It almost catapults us into the millennial reign, doesn't it? When Jesus comes in the the second coming, it's recorded for us in Revelation 19, beginning in verse 11, When Jesus returns to the earth and all the enemies are going to be slaughtered, it's going to be a bloodbath. He's not coming back as a meek and mild baby Jesus in the manger. No, he's coming back as a warrior, and there's going to be a lot of blood. A lot of blood. But we are going to join his people in the millennial reign. And that is the end of the song. So let's look at verse 44. It says, Finally, so Moses came with Joshua, the son of Nun, and spoke all the words of this song in the hearing of the people. And Moses finished speaking all these words to Israel. And he said to them, Set your hearts on all the words which I testify among you today, which you shall command your children. Notice, again, do you see, do you see the, the accountability here and, the, and the, the exhortation? I testify, set your hearts on all the words which I testify among you today which you shall command your children to be careful to observe all the words of this law, for it is a, not a futile thing for you, because it is your life, and by this word you shall prolong your days in the land which you cross over to possess. Do you see the warning in that? Don't go there, but let me read something to you. And this is one of the difficult passages, difficult things. Remember, we're in Deuteronomy. Soon we're going to be getting into Joshua. At the end of Joshua, after they've already conquered the land, they've divvied up the land, they've divided it, everybody's there, they've conquered the enemies, and there's a moment of peace where everything is done. And notice what it says in verse 29 of Joshua 24. It says, It came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, he died being 110 years old, and they buried him within the border of his inheritance at timnath Sarah which is in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gaash. Notice, verse 31, this is the thing you circle. This is the thing you underline. Because if you hear this message again, you can get it on iTunes, you can get the podcast, you can listen to it again. And again, you can write these things down. But notice in verse 31, Israel served the Lord, notice, all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had known all the works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. But then we fast forward a little bit into the, first, the second chapter of Judges. And what does it say in verse 7? 
It says, So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110. And we've, we've already seen that. And they buried him, and we already talked about that. But verse 10 is the clincher. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation, and here is the horrible, horrible thing, and it's happening in our country right now. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals, the the demons, the, uh, the, the gods, Why? Because they didn't tell their kids. They didn't tell their grandkids. And see, about 50 years ago, I think there was a a generation where their parents went to church. And even if they weren't born-again Christians, they went to church because it was the thing to do. And they knew these things. And they would tell them to their kids. And their kids would be brought up in the church. But something happened about 40 or 50, 60 years ago. Now all of a sudden we got people growing up now, a couple generations who know nothing. We need to re-evangelize this country. Our country is the greatest mission field, more so than any other country in the world right now. We don't have to go to China. I think we should. We should go everywhere. But our own country needs to be re-evangelized. They need to be told. They don't even know who Jesus is. He's a swear word. they, They don't even know anything about him. They don't know anything about him. They don't know anything concerning the Bible. And is it any surprise? Because early in the 60s, they started removing the Bibles from the, from the schools. And if you are a teacher tonight in a, in a public school, praise God. If you're a Christian and you're in the public school, praise God. That school needs you. Those kids need you. There needs to be light in that school. Praise God that you're there. Is it hard? Yes. Is, is, are you feeling like you're fighting an uphill battle all the time? That your hands are tied? Yes, that's true. But you know what? Your very life is a witness to those kids. But notice, we live in that time now, folks. And now is the time to turn the tide. If you're not speaking to your kids, if you're not consistent in sharing these things with your kids, start now. It is never too late It is never too late to start over. But whatever you do, start over if you must. Start over. Develop a family altar again. It's going to get really bad out there, folks. It's getting really wicked out there, and it's going to get worse. It's going to get much worse. And if you're not abiding in Christ, you are going to be in a difficult place. You're going to find yourself washed up. You're going to find yourself discouraged. You're going to find yourself not even coming to church anymore because what's the use? God's going to do what he's going to do. And then your prayer life starts to tank. Your reading in the Bible starts to tank. Next thing you know, you're just among those who are just doing their thing. If it feels good, do it, man. You may go to heaven, but your life is going to be miserable. You're going to be the one of the most miserable Christians on the earth and God wants you to live. He wants your life to be a blessing. Don't you want your life to be a blessing? Don't you want your life to mean something and to have it mean, really mean something? Think of it. Most of us don't have a whole lot of time. There's more years behind us that are in, that are in front of us. Now is the time to dig in deep and say, you know what? From this moment onward, I'm not going to play any more games. I'm going to get into the game. I'm going to get serious about my walk with God. 
I'm going to put away the stupid things that I've been doing for 20, 30 years, and I'm going to get into it, and I'm going to serve him, and I'm going to, I'm going to give everything I got to the great king who's going to take me to glory. <sighs> Can't wait. Can't wait. Verse 48, and then we're going to have a quick communion. <laughs> then the Lord spoke to Moses that very same day, saying, Go up this mountain to, at, to, of the Abarim, it's a mountain range, Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, across from Jericho. And notice, view the land of Canaan. Go ahead, Moses, I want you to go up there. You can't cross over, but I'm going to give you the grace to see it. And I bet that day was clear. I bet that day was beautiful. And he got up on top of that mountain. He says, I'm giving this to Israel as a possession. You climb up there and you look, and you die on that mountain which you ascend. And be gathered to your people, just as Aaron, your brother, died on Mount Hor and was gathered to his people. Why? Because you trespassed against me. Here's the indictment again. It's kind of like, you know, Lord, I knew that. <laughs> he didn't have to bring it up again. It's like pouring lemon juice kind of in a paper cut. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to hear that again, Lord. Because you trespassed against me among the children of Israel at the waters of Meribah, Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin. Because you did not hallow me in the midst of your children. Moses, this is why. I love you. I love you. You're going to be in glory with me soon. You can't go. You misrepresented me. There's a consequence for sin. You're a great man. You're a great, wonderful man, but the consequence still has to be meted out. That's right. In fact, I was just going there. Julia says, uh, so in verse 52, he says, You shall see the land before you, though you shall not go there, into the land which I am giving to the children of Israel. And see, there's a great accountability in being a, a child of God and certainly a leader. But even though Moses had failed, as my sister said, he is. He is in glory. Because in Matthew chapter 17, what does it say? After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up to a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, who was with him? Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. In their resurrected bodies, or, or in some form, they're there. In all of his mistakes, is, is God just going to shelve him? Is God just going to, you know, you, you failed me, Moses. You, you blew the type. I had a type going. It was going really good until you hit the rock twice. Just speak to the rock. What's the matter with you? Was he angry like that? Well, maybe he was, but he deserved it. But God says, you know what? I'm going to let you go, and you can see it, Moses. I know you, all your heart you want to go in, but you can't. I'll let you see it, though. You know why? Because I love you, and I'm gonna see, you're going to see me soon. Go up on the mountain and check it out. I'm going to make the day especially clear. There's going to be no smog in the area tonight. Today, he's going to clear it all out. He's going to see it. What a blessing that was for Moses. I saw it with my eyes. My foot never crossed it, but I saw it with my own eyes. Isn't that encouraging? And that's how wonderful God is to you and me. Father, we thank you, Lord, that uh, just as you did with Elisha and his servant, and when the enemy was encroaching upon them, Lord, you, you had a heavenly host, Lord, chariots that the enemy could not see that were surrounding them. And Lord, what a great joy that must have been for them to consider. And Lord, we thank you that you are all-powerful, Lord, and there's nothing for us to fear 
And so, Lord, tonight we, we take this bread and this cup, Lord. We're very familiar with this, but may it never be too familiar. May we remember, Lord, what you did for us on the cross, Lord, the holy God, the very blood of Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.